0: With the beginning of the new year, Kevin and I begin a new series on the parables of Jesus. And I suppose if there's one of the top five things that people know about Jesus is that he spoke in parables. He loved to do it. There were approximately 40 to 45 parables found and scattered throughout the New Testament and the Gospels. Some of them are long. Some of them, like like today's uh, section, is a longer one. Some of them are very brief statements. He used them often to give illustration and to make what he had to say memorable. One of the things we want to see as we go through them is that his parables illustrated what else he was saying and what else he was doing. Many times they were about the kingdom of God, not always, and uh, he, as he was building the kingdom of God, these, these were some of the points that he in de- in desired to make. They were given not only to be memorable, but also impressive. He knows that you and I respond well to a story that we can connect to. Aesop's fables, and many different illustrations in literature of The storytelling art draw us into truths and connecting with reality in a way that sometimes just a a lecture or an essay simply doesn't do. And so Jesus peppered his teachings with these stories, stories not of our day, but of his. Stories not of our culture and way, but of his culture and way in those days. And so it requires sometimes some interpretation for us to adapt to them, to understand them. I don't believe that this morning's uh, uh, parable is, is that way. I think it makes enough sense on its own, even though we are not, most of us, farmers and sowers of seed on a regular basis. Many of his uh, parables are found in the Gospel of Luke, but we'll start this morning in Matthew. And so if you have your Bibles and you also in your sermon outline pages 6 and 7, we can turn there together. Matthew 13. One of the unique things about this parable is that we have a full explanation from Jesus about it. Some of the parables he just simply said, and and if he interpreted them, we don't have what his interpretations were. But this one we have, in a very extensive way, explained to us. So we read in chapter 13 of Matthew, verses 1 and following, that that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, and saying among them this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then to interpret the parable, he says, beginning in verse eighteen, these words. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. What was sown on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with, much, with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. What was sown among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But what was sown on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Let us pray. How we thank you, Lord, for your word this day, and how we thank you for Jesus and his teachings. Open our eyes and ears and hearts to the message that he would have us hear and that you would apply, O Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the parables, the comparisons, the stories that Jesus loved to tell. We read in Mark chapter 4 these words. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. There's design here. There's purpose here. He's not just condescending to the simple-minded of us and the ones with the short memories, but he's, he's giving us insight that is brilliant as to the general and profound nature of his kingdom and of his work. And here we see it displayed in Matthew 13. When I was a little boy in church, there were a couple of phrases that stuck out in my mind and particularly perplexed me and puzzled me, and one of them is found in this passage where he concludes there in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I thought that was a strange thing to say. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said it often. Another thing he said was, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you. People didn't talk like that when I was growing up. Or my part of the world, I thought that was also a strange, sort of a, a uniquely biblical phrase. But the first one in particular is important today. Because the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is revealed known, and understood when we listen for it. It has to be heard. It has to be brought in. As I say in the outline, listening well, listening deeply, listening with understanding is the primary skill of the kingdom of God. The ability to truly listen is the most important ability Because because the secret of the kingdom is the seed, that is, the teaching of the Word of God. And these earthly kingdoms around us come by force and by coercion. They are led by people who do not listen, but who talk and are seeking external change. God's kingdom comes in quietly, like a seed, seeking internal change. This is fundamentally and profoundly important. Those who study the parables have often noted that this parable is one of his most important, partly because we have such a full and extensive, not only parable itself, but a long and extensive explanation of it. And the point is simply this. You enter the kingdom of God, you come into the kingdom of God and become a participant in it if you hear what is said. It's not about what you do or how you perform. It's not about who you know and what they can do for you. It's not about what you can grasp and take for yourself. It's much, much quieter and more subtle than that. More gentle, if you will. The kingdom of God is sown almost silently as a sower drops his seed in the ground. Now, these days we have big tractors, and nothing quiet about those. But in that day, the sower came along the path, along the field, by himself usually, without the aid of machinery, sowing the seed and dropping it along the soil, wordlessly, quietly, gently even trusting that it would fall strategically in the right places and that it would then produce a good crop. Listening is the primary skill of the kingdom of God. Are you a good listener to the Lord? Husbands like me, notoriously not. We hear what our children say, what our spouses say. Students the same way. We hear what the teacher said, but we don't really listen to it. Big difference. And, as he illustrates, some were listening and some weren't. But we begin with this important point, listening well, listening deeply, and listening with understanding is the primary skill. If you can learn that at the beginning and you can continue to apply it throughout your life, you will grow spiritually. If you don't, if you think you know it all, if you think you've heard enough, if you think you've got it, you won't. Your growth will be truncated, abbreviated, arrested development, as indeed in some of the cases illustrated here. You must take the word in initially and you must continue to hear it skillfully, thoughtfully, patiently, eagerly. So that when the Word of God is spoken, we listen. I remember several years ago at the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America, I was sitting at the desk keeping my uh, watch, and the moderator called on a man in the audience to read a portion of Scripture. And so he stepped to the microphone and started reading. But the noise in the hall in the auditorium just continued. If anything, it got louder. And he continued to read, and people continued to talk, and all of a sudden the gavel came down from the moderator, and he said, brothers, he said, the word of God is being read. And everyone chastened silently, fell silent, and and the man continued on to read. In the same way, we can hear the word of God as on the radio it is read to us, or in some kind of a iPhone app or something and not really listen at all. We say, well, I, okay, I heard the Bible today, so I've done part of my devotions. You know how we can all do that so mechanistically. Listening well, listening deeply, listening with understanding is the primary skill in the kingdom of God. And when people come to me and speak of trouble in their marriage, usually... One of the main aspects for that difficulty is because they've stopped listening to each other. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I don't want to hear it. You've told me that before. Usually nothing new is introduced. There's been a holding of the ears, a hardening of the heart, an unwillingness to pursue what the other person is saying. In the same way, as children of God and his beloved followers, we can stop listening. We can say, I know what I need to know, and that's enough. And then we become opinionated, and we become caught up in our own private interpretations and ideas and perspective and agenda, and we don't listen to what he says. Listening well, listening deeply, and listening with understanding is the primary skill. Let me say again, it's not what you do. It's not who you know. It's not how much power and wealth you have that advances the kingdom of God in your heart. It's not even how many scripture verses you've memorized, or how many Bible stories you know. It's about whether you can listen to, eagerly, with application and submission, the Word of God. Is it something that moves you? Because you hear it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says. You've got ears, use them. Listen to me. This is significant and important. Now, for application, the bottom of page six. If you are not a Christian or if you are one who is. Struggling mightily, having some difficulties. It may be because you think God's kingdom works like the earthly kingdoms. John the Baptist stopped listening. John the Baptist. If it can happen to him, it can happen to us. The one who leapt in his mother's womb at the presence of the baby in Mary's womb. the one who baptized the Savior, the one who said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals, <clears throat> sent word to Jesus from prison in one of the most difficult and offensive questions I believe Jesus ever received. Are you the Messiah or should we expect another? Really? Really? From you, John the Baptist, my cousin, who's been with me from the beginning, who knows better. Is that what you're saying? John, quit listening to Scripture, and so Jesus quotes it for him. He says, well, the lame are getting healed, the blind are seeing. Of course I'm the Messiah. Did you forget? Sometimes we quit listening because of pride, sometimes because of fear. Whatever the reason, it's always a problem on the other side. Top of page 7. We must understand and grasp that God's kingdom triumphs through love and not force. It creates loving obedience and not slaves. What he wants to do is reach into your heart. As Kevin said during the prayer time, he wants to reach into our hearts and change us. He's not trying to force us down the road. That's not how he ordinarily works. He can do that. Yes, indeed. Indeed. If he wants to, he can push us any way he wants us. But most of the time, he wants to tap us on the shoulder and say, Here, listen to this. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. It's not a secret wisdom. It's open news. It's good news for anyone to hear. This isn't something... uh, Jesus' parables are not hard to understand. They're filled with secret meaning. It's open. It's clear. Come and do as I say. Let your heart take in the truth of His Word and transform you. Listen to it. Some of you have been in church all your life, and you've heard the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And not many passages could be raised to your attention this morning that you hadn't heard or couldn't recall from your memory. But how many of us are listening? How many of us are open to the work of the Spirit, and the working of the Word in us. And so Jesus says, beware of not listening. And he illustrates some people and some ways that we don't listen. First of all, he says, beware of listening to the Word of Jesus with a hard heart, with the head only and the mind, with our arms folded, and saying, okay, knock me out, break my heart, wake me up. Verse 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came along and ate it up because it wasn't covered in any way. It made no penetration into the soil. We can well imagine this. This happens even with tractors. Some of the seed is lost, some of it is picked up, some of it falls and doesn't get into its intended place. Has his word made a personal penetration in your life? And this is where the English teachers would probably be a little upset with this because Jesus mixes his metaphors here. We've got the seed going into the ground and we've got this question of hearing. Well, seed doesn't hear and soil doesn't hear. But we get what he means. There is a connection between the two. Has his word made a personal penetration into your life? How about right now? Christianity is not theoretical. It is meant to get inside our hearts and lives. It's meant to move us, to thrill us, and to challenge us. It's not just meant to be read... And heard, it's meant to have an effect. And so it should be read and heard reverently, submissively, quietly, eagerly. What can I learn from the old, old story of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What can I hear anew about my need of the Savior and what he's done for me? That's how we come to worship and to his word. Of course, Satan does not want this. Verse 19 it says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And so the birds that are mentioned in verse 4 is the devil. He actively opposes this process of hearing and applying the Word of God. He is against it completely. And so he will try any number of things to snatch it away. He'll tell us we already know this. We don't need to hear it again. He'll tell us that we just don't want to hear it at all. We're busy. We've got other things on our minds. He will tell us that it's just not true. You will not surely die, he said. Instead, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods. He will oppose the scriptures in that way, any way that works with you, he will take so that it doesn't get in. What's he what's he what's working with you? Are you too busy to stop and consider these things? Are they too familiar? Are they old hat, well-worn, uninteresting? Are you bored by the scriptures? Do you find them uninteresting and dull? That's a danger sign. Big danger sign. Beware of listening to the word of God with a hard heart. Oh, you still can hold your Bible and your heart be hard. You still can hear the Bible on an iPhone app and your heart be hard. You can hear it on the radio. You can hear it sung. You can attend a church and hear it read and spoken of and have it make no difference. Then secondly, beware of listening to God with a shallow heart, with the emotions only, in other words. Verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. The first time, no soil at all, really, not much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Jesus interprets this in verse 20 by saying, What was sown on the rocky places is the man who hears the word of God and at once receives it with joy, with emotional reaction. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time, and when persecution or trouble comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The first one listens only with his mind and with a hard heart. The second one listens only with his emotions. And when he's no longer inspired and no longer thrilled by what it says, he walks away and says, I'm not interested anymore. I've heard that before. It doesn't move me. It's not interesting to me. So I say in the outline, those... These people here with initial excitement, but are unable to take the heat. There was some emotional penetration of the word, but they failed to see it was Christ's kingdom and not their kingdom that was important. They wanted a blesser, not a savior, a candy man, not a king. I want want to feel good about this. I want to get things from it. And when I no longer feel good about it, when I no longer get things from it, then I'm not interested. As long as you see Jesus as a service provider, you will be frustrated. He is not here to meet your goals. You must transfer your trust from yourself to the Savior. That's what becoming a Christian means. And not just treat him at arm's length as if he's there to just do his thing for you, We think our primary problem is we are sufferers in need of a solution when our real problem is that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so we come to Jesus and we say, fix this for me and then I'll be fine. No. He wants an inward and radical transformation that includes a total remaking of our whole perspective of what we value and what we love. These folks received the word of God with joy, but were not convicted of sin. They saw the blessings of the gospel. But when the sun came up, and when it was no longer a rose garden and a party, they said, Noah, count me out, not interested. And then thirdly, verse 7, beware of listening with a divided heart. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 22, what was sown among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. The first one doesn't penetrate much at all. The second one, a little bit, but only in a superficial and outwardly emotional way. And now we have one that does take some place, if not root, but the thorns choke it out. The first two soils are probably describing people who are not Christians at all. But the longer we go down this list, the harder it begins to be to tell where this person is. Lies where these soils are describing. The first two soils are probably not Christians, as I say, but this one is. It's more difficult to tell. They don't fall away. They don't run away. But Christ shares control of their lives. See, they're not snatched away like the birds. Or washed out by the sun's heat, but they share control of their life with the weeds. It's about the worship of God and these other things, the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life. Both positively and negatively, they can choke us out. Both success and failure can get you. The result is that the Christian life is choked. There are lots of doubts and anxieties and a a high level of misery and unhappiness. They can't go back to their old ways happily, but they can't go forward either. They're stuck. Work, success, pleasure, and friends are these things too important. If they are, You'll stop listening. And you'll stop growing. And you'll be in this sort of halfway place where you're neither fish nor fowl. Where you're neither alive nor dead, so to speak. And it's an unhappy place to be. Not recommended here. But... Still other seed, verse 8, fell on good soil, a receptive hearing, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. This sermon is about, this parable is about fruitfulness as well as hearing. The person who will listen to the word of God and take it in will then become fruitful. In an amazing way. Part of the process that is described here is to move from dead seed or impotent seed to very flourishing fruit as a result. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. For he will produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Me? What can I do? Jesus says, you'll be surprised what you can do if you let the Word of God dwell in you richly, as Paul writes. If you will let it take root in your life, you you will surprise yourself at what God does in and through you. He will make you fruitful. You say, I don't know how to produce fruit. I I don't know what to do, what, what, what techniques, what methods to adopt neither does the seed. The seed just simply becomes fruitful in the right condition. In the same way, we become fruitful in the right condition of listening and hearing the Word of God and applying it to our hearts. So in final application, I say, let the gardener work on you. Let him remove the thorns and the rocks and deepen the seeds' roots in your life. That's his job, and he longs to do it. Even now, he is saying, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, and what? Learn of me. Hear what I have to say. Take into your life what my message is. My power comes quietly, it comes subtly, it comes easily into you if you will but listen and apply and let me work. Listen to the Savior, and He will make you wise. Clear clear enough, no doubt. The point is made has driven it home time and time again here through this long parable. Where do I make the application personally? This is where the will's involved. I really think, although there are many things about this parable that are uh, sort of accidental, like where the seed falls and the birds coming along and the weeds choking it out, Jesus intended by his application to say, he who has ears, listen to me. This is how I work. And if you stop listening, I'll probably stop working. Now in some instances, as in Jonah's case, he stopped listening. He said, I know what you want me to do, it's clear enough, and I'm not going to do it, I'm going the other way. And God, in his infinite mercy, went after him and brought him back and sent him back on his right place. That was almost an immediate reaction by both Jonah and the Lord. Sometimes, though, these things happen over time. And that's what I'm more concerned about today. I know that God will chase down the Jonas. But what about we who are quietly going to sleep spiritually? Who are not listening to him because we think we know and know enough, heard it before, and have it well in hand. Is there a humble heart and a listening ear? Have you developed the skill of ongoing listening? You listened when you were converted. You listened in the first times you heard these stories, and they were applied to you on the radio, or in person, or in books. You you were eager to hear, like the one who received the word with great joy. But what has happened since then? If the Lord took your temperature in terms of listening, what would He find? How, how, How much are you paying attention? This has been brought to attention in my life by having a grandson who's born nearly deaf. And we've had it in the prayer list, and he's undergoing treatment. Called to mind, you know, I mean, his own father, when I was raising him, I thought, this boy's not listening to me. (laughs) He can't hear me. But Luke, little Luke, really can't hear. He has to have... An operation to help him, even if then. We need an operation to be able to hear the word of God. It starts with conversion, but it continues for time on until all eternity when we shall sit with faces uplifted at the feet of the Savior, listening and hanging on to every word he says. So this is an eternal skill. This is a skill we'll need in heaven too. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let us pray. As we enter this new year, Lord, we pray that you will give us the skill, the desire, the eagerness to hear and to seek your word hungrily, that we will not treat it as something cold and in, to which we are cold and indifferent, that we will not allow the devil to discourage us, that we will not become confused by false teachers, and that we will not by, be attacked by the devil. We pray that we might be, as Jesus was seeking to teach his disciples, skilled listeners to the Word of God and to your spirit at work in our lives. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in this new year and we'll see you do great things producing a crop a fruitfulness that we could scarcely imagine. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Let us stand together and sing hymn number 218.